Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared. I'm Fred Hooper. We've got a great team of reporters who are on the ground chatting to you. And the stories we bring you could help you, your family and your community prepare for natural disasters. The weather and how it affects you is already part of your life. So let's keep talking about being prepared. On today's show, a brand new early warning system for Tonga, along with the ability to broadcast it. Also, more on traditional knowledge and relocation. It's complicated and not always easy to explain, but we'll try. And new varieties of sweet potato could be the key for some farmers in Papua New Guinea. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. People's lives have been affected by a disaster. Know what to do. Know what to do. Know what to do. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. See, all the signs are coming. So we have to prepare. Be prepared. Pacific Prepared. Tonga Broadcasting Commission was celebrating recently because their brand new building was open. This was just a tiny bit of the celebration at the opening. Drums beating, a large group of people, all wearing traditional outfits, with lots of greenery hanging over shoulders and around their wrists, and all dancing in sync with each other. It looked spectacular. The new building for the broadcaster also has an early warning system built in as part of the design and is capable of withstanding natural disasters like cyclones and tsunamis. TBC Tonga reporter Anna Siu Falakono was at the opening and she has this story. It was a joyful event at the Tonga Broadcasting Commission with the official commissioning of the new building and the launching of the National Emergency Warning System known as NEWS. The historical event was marked by His Royal Highness, the Crown Prince Tupoutoa Olugalala. The construction of the building has been completed, but the installation of equipment was delayed several times due to the COVID-19 restrictions. Speaking at the event, His Royal Highness Prince Tupoutoa Olugalala says the aim of the project is to help with preparedness at times of disaster and to save lives. It is a modern system and fully equipped with a purpose and the truth to saving lives wherever and whenever is required. Our calling today is preparing ourselves to help those in need, those in despair, those who may be dying from extreme events of natural disasters and worse impact of climate change. We can just imagine that, that critical moment of crying out for survival. We can save them with this system. And this is resilience 
in facing the challenges of our time. I thank the government and the people of Japan for this kind offer, and also to everyone throughout Tonga and overseas for joining us at this historical moment. The acting Prime Minister Honorable Samuel Waibolo says Tonga is the second most at risk country in the world vulnerable to natural disasters. He adds vulnerability to natural disasters and the effects of climate change like weather extremes are expected to increase due to pressures including increased population and constrained land availability which will force larger numbers to live in a more hazard prone areas. The new project is based on the vulnerability of Tonga to natural disasters in the form of earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes and general flooding and the need to have in place a proper nationwide early warning system. Project was designed to reflect the vision of the Tonga Strategic Development Framework, the SDF2, and the UN Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, which is to improve resilience to natural disasters and the impact of climate change. News overall goal is to saving lives through the improvement of disaster information dissemination throughout Tonga by installing an emergency radio system and an <coughs> warning sound alert system and also by improving AM radio broadcasting infrastructure and construction of the Tonga Broadcasting Commission headquarters, aiming at shortening alert transmission of tsunami evacuation from 90 minutes to 8 minutes and increasing the number of beneficiaries from 13,000 to the rest of the pollen of the population. MEDEC through the communication department is responsible for the project. The project was funded by the government of Japan and the ambassador to Tonga's Excellency Monenanga Gensaku says the news project is to strengthen Tonga's capacity for risk management and its resilience against disasters through the improvement of three systems. Number one, emergency radio communication system. Number two, early warning sound alert system. And number three, medium wave radio broadcasting system. The new telecommunication system of this project covers the whole kingdom all the way to the Ongonewas. This nationwide network is very variable and crucial in the occurrence of disasters. This warning system will work even if the submarine cable is disconnected. In reality, the submarine cable is still not yet connected between the islands. However, the new system under the news project will work nationwide by way of radio telecommunication network or satellite system. On top of that, a more vigilant system is installed through this project. An early warning sound alert transmission will straight away reach everyone in the kingdom in a very short time 
compared to before. In the previous system, it took 90 minutes. But now, thanks to the new system, it will only take 8 minutes for the warnings to resonate. The coverage of alert is also notably increased from 19% to 100% for the population living in tsunami hazard areas in Tonga. He added with the recent experience from the Hongatonga Hongaha volcanic eruption and tsunami, there's hope that people are capable of escaping tsunamis faster with the advanced warnings as the news project now in place. With the hope to save people's lives, siren test is still underway to assist with people's awareness, to educate students and children about news project and prepare them well for future disasters. The new building was used as a temporary shelter for the people around the area of Fasimuyafi during the volcanic eruption earlier this year. TBC Tonga reporter Anasi Falakono reporting from Tonga. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. Relocation of villages and communities due to climate change is something that comes up a lot. We hear about people needing to move for a whole number of reasons, but all in relation to climate change. And in some cases, relocation works. Kind of. But it might be more complicated than it seems. And sometimes it's difficult to explain this. Each, um, each family has the foundation, uh, uh, we call it in Fijian Yavu, and the Yavu also has a name. And uh, around the Yavu, around their home, that's where they have their gardens. And for every child, when they're born, after the fourth, uh, fourth night, usually the fourth night, the umbilical cord will, will fall off. And so it's the parents' responsibility to bury the, the, the part of the umbilical cord that falls out. And usually they, uh, they bury it with their totem tree. And so one of the reasons they bury the child's umbilical cord is so that the child is grounded and is connected to their vanua and always remembers the vanua when, you know, wherever they go and that they will always come back to the vanua. Dr Rossiana Lange is from the University of the South Pacific. She studied Indigenous knowledge about climate change and education around that for young people. Bulavinaka Fred, I'm uh, Rosiana Lange, the Deputy Head of School for uh, School of Pacific Arts, Community and Education at the University of the South Pacific. You know, uh, climate displacement is not just relocating to a totally new area, but even the, the shift to a new nearby place can bring about a lot of um, stress and, yeah, so, so that's what we would like to explore. <laughs> Are those the conversations that you've had with people to have faced that that decision whether to move because of a natural disaster? From the outside, it might look rather simple to just move a village or move a community. What is it like from the inside? What are the people telling you that it's like? I mean, is that is that really something that kind of tears at them a little bit? Um, well, I've had this conversation. I was in Tuvalu for four years. I worked at the university campus, the USB campus in Tuvalu. And, um, and to move, to relocate means a lot of things. And we can't really relocate, because when we relocate, it's not just 
the physical being. It's everything. It's our culture. It's our connection with our vanua or our land. Those are the things that we will miss out on. Eh? Uh, food and our ways of doing things. So when we go to a new place, we lose all those things because we won't be able to practice them. We won't be able to you know, consume the same type of food. So it'll bring in additional uh, stress and other, other problems to the person when they, when they relocate. Eh? Uh, so one of the things that we are doing um, in the community that we are working with, uh, this community has relocated uh, four times. They are on their fifth location. And, uh, and uh, we are working with them um, because they also are experiencing um, issues that are worse than what they experienced previously. So they have sea level rise. And uh, one of the things, some of the issues that they came up with was due to the relocation, they've lost some of their traditional knowledge. Uh, for example, their traditional knowledge of uh, weather forecasting. So they cannot forecast whether there's going to be a cyclone or if there's going to be a king tide or um, tsunami because they're not equipped with that knowledge. So is it just the knowledge or is it also the sort of uh, the natural resources that they would have used to do that forecasting as well? Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, the knowledge is not there. So though the indicators are there, yeah. they cannot read the indicators any, anymore because they don't know what to read. So, um, so they sleep with fear every night because they are not sure what's going to happen when. And that was one of the responses from the elders. So what, one of the things that we are doing in this project is to um, ask the elders to to you know to give us their stories to tell us those knowledge so that we we write them in big books for the children so that one thing we discussed was you know if you have to relocate again you know at least you have your stories you have your knowledge in these books that you can share with your children later on in life eh? but um, they are attached to the place so uh, anxiety you know these alone causes a lot of um, uh, health issues and so you know that is apart from every other thing like for example their identity when they have to move to a place they will be known as you know diaspora from and and to be seen as that is 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 not you know it's not a good feeling to be seen as as a foreigner or a visitor to a place there's almost a stigma attached to it, is that what you're yes. saying? Yes, there's a stigma attached to it. And that's something that, you know, they they wouldn't want to. And with land um, conflicts in Fiji, land ownership in Fiji, that's another thing that, you know, that'll add um, uh, pressure and tensions into into the discussions on uh, displacement, eh? uh, relocation, yeah. Is it also difficult for Fijians to express some of these ideas as well, like Vanua, to, to even put that into uh, an English term for somebody else to understand? Like, this is why we can't move. This is why we're feeling anxious about moving. Is it difficult to articulate that as well? 
Well, um, the definition for vanua is, I mean, it has been defined, but yes, it's going to be hard for non-Indigenous Fijians to understand uh, what vanua is, eh? because for vanua, for us, it, uh, it has a holistic uh, definition. It includes the land, the, the oceans, the sky, the people, both living and non-living, and how we relate to these things. Eh? So, um, so, yeah. Uh, understanding the Vanua concept alone is something you know that that that's that'll bring tensions. Dr. Rossiani Lungi is from the University of South Pacific, and I still wanted to find out if a family could relocate and make a new connection with a new place. I haven't had that experience, but um, to go and live somewhere else where, for a, for example, for every Fijian, when we are born, we are registered. Um, um, we are registered to what we call the Volanikaumbula. So the Volanikaumbula also uh, uh, is attached to uh, land ownership. Eh? So, so that's where we belong. We know that's where we belong. That's uh, that's what belongs to us, and that's who we are. But if we have to move to to another place and call it home, it's going to take a while for that to register because we will still see the original home as home and not where we have relocated uh, to. Because, yeah, it it takes a while for us to learn all those things too because in Fiji, different um, places, different uh, communities have different cultures and different ways of doing things are also different language. And those are the things that we have to learn. Um, it takes a while to learn. And um, those are the things that also identifies you. And if you don't fit in, yeah. So, so yeah, and, and for some it'll take them a while. And like I said, you know, those are added um, uh, pressure and uh, stress to, to the person, yeah. You've also been speaking with young people about climate change and natural disasters. What, what sort of responses have you been getting there? Um, okay, so so uh, the the community that we are working with in um, in Fiji, Tavua, we've been working there for six months. Over the six months, we've seen a change in mindset regarding their perception on the causes of climate change and um, what they can do to mitigate as well as in worst-case scenario, what can they do to adapt? In just six months you've seen a change? Yes, in six months. And I I was really happy because, you know, that is climate literacy for us. I'm urging and I'm always uh, uh, talking about the significance of having climate climate literacy across the nation. I think one of the, the reasons it was successful was that because we speak to them in their language so they un- understand, as well as we continued to visit them monthly. Climate change to them is not, uh, 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 not what is defined in the scientific uh, definition. Climate change to them is what they experience. So they, they perceive climate change as what they experience, like sea level rise, the loss of uh, marine resources, tensions in the home because there's not enough uh, food, the change in people's behavior and cultural values. For us, we would say that's the impact of climate change, but, but 
you know, in, in that community, that's how they perceive climate change. We ask them, what do you think are the causes of these things? And then most, most, of, them, uh, most of them, you know, just talked about how things have changed. And uh, one group said, oh, it's, you know, it's God's way of, uh, you know, punishing us. But then uh, the younger generation had a more scientific, because they've learned that in school. Dr. Rossiani Langi from the University of the South Pacific ending that story. I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder. You're listening to Pacific Prepared. In a lot of cases, farmers grow what they can, depending on where they are, basically what grows best in the area that they live. Climate change has made some farmers in Papua New Guinea start to look at different varieties of the vegetables that they're growing. Pacific Prepared reporter Diane Wakezi has this story. The need to develop climate change resilient crops has never been more important in recent times due to the continuous change in weather patterns due to climate change. The Papua New Guinea National Research Institute, or NARI, is set on ensuring that Papua New Guinea is prepared should disaster strike. NARI has begun work with creating a climate change resilient sweet potato crop. Sweet potato was first introduced in Papua New Guinea over 300 years ago, but has now become one of the most cultivated crops in the highlands, parts of the Momase and New Guinea Islands region in Papua New Guinea. Nari crop scientist Gure Tumae mentioned that it becomes necessary for Nari to create new crops when the need arises or a new variety is really needed. He said this statement while speaking to Pacific Prepared recently. It becomes necessary for Nari to develop or breed new potato varieties when a situation arises where a new variety is really needed for a specific reason or for some reason. Before any breeding is done, an evaluation of all the sweet potato collections maintained by Nari at Ayura for Highlands uh, varieties and at Bubia for the Lowlands uh, varieties. Out of these evaluations, we may be able to pick out varieties that are suitable for our needs, okay, such as uh, drought tolerance or pest and disease tolerance, uh, nutrient content, uh, etc. But if there is none in the collection, then the scientists proceed to breed new varieties by cross-pollination and evaluation, which is a long process, uh, which has to take uh, time until um, a variety or a group of varieties um, have been developed which show the desired traits. So with the current project that um, we, we are involved in, uh, we have done those evaluations already, both at Ayura and at Bubia. And we have selected, uh, out of all of this, we have selected the best performing varieties for our trials with the farmers out in the project sites. And that was Nari crop protection scientist Gure Tumai. Mr. Tumai explained that 
Nari establishes polycross nurseries by growing the selected sweet potato varieties in particular design and allowed to grow and flower. Bees assist in the pollination process allowing genes from the variety of sweet potatoes to be transferred to other sweet potato varieties which become the mother plants. He added that when the seeds are fully formed and reach maturity, they are then collected and germinated. Once the sweet potato seeds reach maturity, after germination, scientists study their traits. Some varieties, some individuals of the uh, from the from the population that we germinate, they may display resistance to pests and diseases, or they may display drought tolerance, or they may display some other other characteristics that that we 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 like or we desire. So the selections are done from those thousands or even hundreds of uh, germinated seeds which have. With, uh, which have uh, reached maturity. And we assess, we evaluate um, traits such as yield, apart from the tolerance to uh, pests and diseases and, and drought we have talked about. Uh, we assess the taste. We also look at the tuber size and shape we also look at the tuber flesh color, the eating quality, and of course the maturity time. Some of those uh, uh, plants from the from 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 the population may show that they can mature in a lot uh, shorter time than others. So when we look at that, uh, those are those are traits or characteristics that we can we can select for. So this whole process takes place in what we call participatory plant breeding exercise. And that was Nari Crop Protection Scientist Gure Tumai. The National Agriculture Research Institute continues to improve the welfare of rural families and communities who depend wholly or partly on agriculture for their livelihoods in Papua New Guinea. Over a decade, NARI has managed to undertake research and development projects, mostly of which are immediate and high-impact projects on various areas. Global climate change is impacting agriculture and other aspects of villages' lives in Papua New Guinea, and this will certainly increase in the coming decade, says Dr. Richard Burke from the Australian National University who's written a paper on the impact of climate change on agriculture in Papua New Guinea. Some of the investigation happening around new sweet potato varieties in Papua New Guinea. Diane Waketsi with that story. We need to be prepared for the future. Helping you stay safe. We have built a seawall two times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government.
It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP, SIBC Solomon Island Broadcasting Corporation, and TBC Tonga. If your organisation is working in disaster preparedness or resilience, keep us informed so that we can keep everybody informed. Maybe you've got a story idea, a personal experience to share, a topic to cover, or someone that we should meet. The easiest way to get in touch is to search for Pacific Prepared in your search engine. You can also listen back to the program online or via the ABC Listen app. Have conversations about disasters. What would you do and how will you prepare? We're trying to help you make the next disaster easier for you and your family. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.